how you were just you were getting that elective in, right? <laughs> it was effective for essentially, yeah. You have to, yeah, to graduate, you had to get your your language thing in, and so I was like, uh. <laughs> I always, I've always wanted to learn French, but I've never. Um, never really I wanted to take myself. French so bad, and my mom was like, Katie, you're never going to have to know French, but you'll need to know Spanish, so take that instead. Fuck you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you really wanted to learn French? <laughs> well, I, I guess I was so bitter from eighth grade of whatever. But anyway, anyway the, this this is not even close to the topic that we're going to be talking about today. Hey, but we did manage to banter. <laughs> hey, that's true. <laughs> um, so uh, today we thought we'd jump the shark and talk about uh, what we would like to see uh, from another Mass Effect game. Uh, we know that Bioware um, didn't quit on Mass Effect. They're just taking a break in their relationship, so to speak. So uh, when they do eventually come back to it and we are reunited with the world of Mass Effect, what kind of things that we hope they see? So I guess, uh, I don't know if you have anything to start with. If not, my first question would be, is Mass Effect 5, let's call it, is it going to be related to Andromeda at all? Or are they going to run away from that, like as hard as they can? Oh, that's actually a good. That's a good first question. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I do. I do want to kind of say before we jump into like the Go meat of the content, why I, I thought maybe this would be an interesting topic. It's just like it does seem like like we know, and I might be super premature about this, and maybe we're going to look back and we're going to figure out that this is all entirely wrong. But Casey Hudson, and I guess even Mark Dara. Um, or not, not Mark. No, I think Mark Dara did, and then Mike Gamble had said it, and then also the chief financial officer of EA, which is like, that's very important that the executive leadership in EA is talking about it. And the CEO, actually. I think I think also the CEO said, no, definitely Mass Effect is still a property that we're going to consider to be a part of our future and part of Bioware's future. Like, we're definitely going to be doing that. It's just a matter of when uh, and, and how, not if. So... And and in playing through still bits of Andromeda, but also the original trilogy, my my head has just been in sort of a Mass Effect headspace that I'm going, you know, Andromeda is, it's unique enough. Like, I feel like, unfortunately, it is derivative in all of the wrong places, like, in particular with the squad mates. The squad mates really feel like they're trying to capture what was special about the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like, they're trying almost too hard. But as far as, you know, obviously it's it's a new setting and tonally it's different and it has a little bit of that spirit of Mass Effect 1 exploration, but it's, you know, it's clearly done in, in a really different way, even though they did not capitalize on the colonization aspect of it. That's not nearly deep enough. It's not nearly fleshed out enough. Just the fact that that's there conceptually is pretty different than anything else we've seen in a Mass Effect game. So I started thinking about how different Andromeda is from the trilogy. And then I think, well, if it's going to be, you know, I would say probably minimum five years from now before we see another Mass Effect game, it probably stands to reason that that game's going to be really different, hopefully, even still from Andromeda. And so I'm like, huh, I'm like, what would that game look like? So anyway, that, that's kind of why I thought it might make sense to talk about that. But mm-hmm. um, I'm going to kick back your question to you first to start uh, off with. Do, do you think it's going to do you think it's going to be Andromeda sequel or like a something else? I think that if they do Andromeda again, it's going to be a different protagonist and they're probably going to, like... 
I feel like if they go back to the Andromeda in the world, because they already have it set up and they already have a lot of things there, it's going to be very, very different. And it's, I don't know how to explain what I, so like the original Mass Effect trilogy, when I just think about the emotional response I had to that game, the, the game just felt like there is this constant looming threat and I'm just like, the kind of like Atlas or whatever with the world on my shoulders. I'm just trying to save everyone. And I didn't get that feeling at all with Mass Effect Andromeda. Andromeda just felt like you and a couple of your drinking buddies went out and just happened to <laughs> save the world. So yeah. I, I feel like if they were smart, and I'll put, throw that in there, if, if they knew what they were doing, they the, the, the fans of Mass Effect don't want to go out with their drinking buddies. They want to, you know, go save the world and be the, be the one that's right. So that would be kind of the feeling they're going for. And so I think to do that, all of the characters would have to either just be completely forgotten about or just change so much that it's probably been like maybe 10, maybe even 20 years since uh, the first Andromeda game. So I, I think that if they did continue on with the Andromeda storyline, it would be so different as to basically just be a new thing. I agree with that. I, th- I think that, in fact, I would push it out even further. I would say, you know, what what is the Andromeda galaxy going to look like 200 years mm-hmm. you know, down the road? Because then you could get to the point where you have, you know, the metropolises and the huge cities and like it's it's they've been around for quite some time. And, the, and then there would also be sort of like a new history that the player could get caught up on Mm -hmm. um of like you know wars that might have broken out or different like major events i feel like you could paint a completely different political landscape you could in fact reboot the series without having to throw away the canon of the original trilogy or of andromeda Mm -hmm. um so yeah i i i agree with that that if they were going to do andromeda i think that's probably the best way to do it so then how (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's 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 just pretend this is a fan fiction. We we got contacted by Bioware. We get to make our pitch, I guess. Bio Bioware Five. Jesus, Mass Effect Five. <laughs> what well, does this game look like? Well, okay. So a couple of things. Just on on the point of fan fiction. Haha, lo and behold, I have a fan fiction that continues the Andromeda storyline. But I said explicitly that w- my idea for the fan fiction would not at all be my idea for the game. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would actually treat those two things differently. I think if if it was just a story, it's like yeah, well, I would I would complete writer's story and, and finish out that crew, etc. If I was to do it for the game, I would say more like that hundred year, two hundred year jump forward. Mm-hmm. But I'll also though I will also throw this out there. I don't necessarily think that it needs to be a continuation of Andromeda. I I think that there is the potential to do one of two things. Heart, well, actually three things, but the third one I'm not at all excited about, and I don't think anyone else is either. Two main options. Number one, hard reboot. Just a straight up hard reboot. That will be unpopular in a lot of ways, but you you keep all the basic same lore elements and just you're in the Milky Way again. And just and just start Mass Effect from scratch, essentially. So you um, play Shepard again? No, I'm mean, I'm talking like a hard reboot. It's the same universe, it's the same concepts, it's the same humans, but it's just a complete. You know, we're not playing Shepard again. We're playing someone else. It, it, you know, they would be a hero the way the Shepard is a hero, but a complete reboot. Um, I don't know how popular that would be. I think that's an option. I think it's possible, um, especially if you change maybe the aesthetic enough or the um or some of the gameplay mechanics enough, it might feel like something totally new and different, just with the same sci-fi elements and some of the same themes in Mass Effect. Or, I think option two, you could 
do what is not a hard reboot, but here's basically my pitch. Everyone says you can't continue in the Milky Way after the original trilogy because how do you carry over all of the all of the decisions, right? It's going to become like a mess of, of, of all the different player decisions. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you either have to erase all of the player choice uh, or, or try and do some sort of keep mega save import and then the amount of options you're going to have to have to represent is going to be too hard. I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think there's probably only a handful of decisions that have to be reckoned with if you jump far enough ahead in time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So kind of similar to what I mentioned with Andromeda, but even further, right? Like if we're 500 years out, like a a huge amount of time uh, in the Milky Way, none of the characters have to be referenced. You know, the people who lived or died don't have to be referenced. Um, the, like the mainstay stuff is like the Krogan, like the genophage, like, you know, did, did you, did you cure the genophage or not? Because if you didn't, good chance the Krogan's, well, the Krogan would have gone extinct. And if you did cure the genophage, what the hell happened with the Krogan? Did they try and take over again, etc.? But there's actually not too many. Like if, if you defeat the Reapers, you defeat the Reapers. As for how... You know, you can explain why there are or aren't Reapers around in the intervening 500 years. That's my that's my main point. Mm-hmm. Whatever whatever happens, you can get to a consistent starting point however you want to as long as you say this is, you know, whatever, 300, 400, 500 years after. And I think that that might also give you a chance to do a completely clean slate in the Milky Way. I think it wouldn't even be that awful to say, like... Um... I'm trying to think of video games done this before. Maybe not. I don't know. But, like, they just say, like, oh, the the next Mass Effect game is just going to be continuing on a line of thinking of what if you chose the control ending. And now you have to fight Shepard or whatever, who's the big reaper or something. Like, it's not saying that your other choices were wrong. It's just, like, this is our... This is just a series of games set in this universe of what if this happened. Like, I don't think that's necessarily bad either. But maybe that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with that. I personally don't disagree with that. The community, however, will have a conniption. Like they oh, will yeah. Just, <laughs> well, oh, they yeah, will, they that. Yeah, that would, be, that would be like Armageddon. Which on top of that, like, I... Maybe it's because of, like, a lot of the movies that are coming out recently are, like, remakes and reboots and all this bullshit. I'm okay with just the trilogy. Like, I don't need another Mass Effect. I don't, like, I... You know, it's fine as is. I don't even need another... Uh, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, uh, uh, remaster it and stuff like that. I don't need a remaster. I got mods. I'm okay playing it as is. I don't... I'm okay with not even there being a Mass Effect 5. So the, the only reason I want a new Dragon Age is because they left off the story. If they completed the story in Dragon Age 4, I'm okay with that. I'm all right. I would be happy. Like, I don't need to... Kid, like, I, I feel like there's going to be at one point in the future when another mass effect game comes out and you're like oh another one like i already feel like that for uh, assassin's creed i don't even play the damn things but it's like oh another one <laughs> what are they doing this time <laughs> so I, I guess I, I i feel like it's almost better for the integrity of the product to just kind of let it let it lie you know maybe that's just me though no i think i i i agree with you in some sense well wait no no, I don't agree. I get what you're saying, but I actually don't agree. I've been playing the crap out of Assassin's Creed. I've played every single one of those motherfuckers, and I loved them all. I, mm-hmm. And I quit playing after after three. I think, yeah, I played Assassin's Creed all the way up until Assassin's Creed 3, 
And then for whatever reason, I don't know why, I just thought that the idea of Black Flag didn't appeal to me. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you know anything about the Assassin's Creed series, um, the protagonist essentially in the, in the quote-unquote real world or in the modern day timeline uh, meets his end, spoiler alert, at the end of Assassin's Creed 3. And so to me, I was kind of like, eh, I, I don't know what they're doing after this, but I'm not interested. It was only like within the past year or a couple of years when I went back and replayed like all of the all of the newer ones. Uh, I loved them. I loved all of them. And so that's that is a series that I actually point to and look at and go, you know, they've managed to continue reinventing themselves and, and being relevant. And so there's no guarantee that's what Mass Effect will do. Mass Effect might just, in fact, regurgitate a bunch of stuff. And that that is part of the problem with Andromeda is that while they have some unique elements, the the things that really needed to come through and resonate as, as feeling unique, uh, they, they kind of, you know, that felt super derivative as far as the relationships and super forced. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess maybe it, would it be better than to just say Bioware's doing a new sci-fi thing that's not attached to Mass Effect? That way kind of the, some of the pressure is off. Like, I wonder how much of Andromeda suffered just because everyone on the team felt pressure to make the next Mass Effect game, you know? And if they just just rena- renamed it, rebranded it, so they wouldn't be as stressed about it. I don't know. It's close to that. Like, I, I think... I've thought about that, too, a little bit. Like, would they be better off just branching, branching into something new? The thing is, when it comes to you know, the themes that they want to play off of in science fiction and, you know, and and also kind of like the staples of the gameplay. Like if it's going to be a third person shooter RPG, uh, in some sense, why? And it's squad based and it's single player only. And, and, you know, the quest structure is similar to the, to the, what Bioware always does at some point it's like, okay, well, why isn't it Mass Effect, right? Like I feel like they would need to do something different enough in gameplay to, to warrant that. Um, but it's close. I, I guess what I have in my head is a Mass Effect that is so different. It's almost that, but it still has, you know, the same themes of organic life versus, you know, artificial intelligence growing, you know, human first attitude versus xenophobia, political, uh, you know, galactic politics being at play. Uh, and then yes, some element of, companionship but not forcing it into this sort of buddy buddy thing that Andromeda tried to do way too hard Um, I would say if if you could get those four pillars you would have a Mass Effect game you know maybe you would just treat it different aesthetically Hmm. but with that in mind what kind of stuff would you like to see so when I think about like how how a Mass Effect game might start I don't know why I, I like this idea of a starting it in a smaller space, kind of like a hub, almost like a space station where you're not immediately thrust into the open world right away. I, I think that, I think that um, there's something really to be said about starting the player within a more contained, not just like an intro mission. Um, what I'm thinking of is sort of like uh Telos station in, in Knights of the Old Republic 2, I think is a really great example of this. And that that's again technically obsidian, but I think it's it's like this place, it's like a microcosm of what's gonna end up being the larger world. You get a sense of this of the quest, you get a sense of your first couple of squad mates. Um you're doing multiple missions where you can get a feel for combat and, and role playing and character building, and then you sort of get your ship and you can go to whatever other planets. 
Bioware typically does something like that in all of their games, but I don't think it's always as long as it could be. Um, I like Haven in Dragon Age Inquisition. To me, that's mm-hmm. kind of similar uh, in that sense. But the only thing is Haven is also kind of mixed in with exploring the hinterlands, which is huge. And so it's not quite that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, that that's sort of what I was thinking of when I'm thinking of what could the start of this game be, right? It's a little, maybe, maybe even you don't get squad mates until a little bit later on you have a chance to sort of explore what your character is on their own maybe like slightly more solitary solitary might be too strong of a word but like giving <laughs> giving your player the chance to sort of be on their own maybe even have their own ship like it's not a, not a full crude ship but like a like a fighter ship or something like that um yeah about I something mean, like origins where like you you do have companions but they're temporary and like they they, they die or they leave for whatever reason that way you kind of get used to the mechanic of you have other people in your party, but, like, it's not these people. That's it. That, that, that's actually a perfect example, right? I mean, you have that in in small spaces, like with Jenkins uh, in Mass Effect 1 or the, um, I can't remember his name, the bald guy that's voiced by Stephen Bloom in uh, Mass Effect 2. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then actually, you have uh, Captain Anderson, who's the temporary uh, squad mate in the beginning of Mass Effect. So they always mm-hmm. kind of do that. You're right. I just feel like it's too short. I almost kind of want to have not the entire first act like that, um, but it, it would be nice if in Mass Effect you got a chance to kind of, how do I put this, kind of get the sense of being on an adventure by yourself so that when you have companions, you appreciate them a little bit more, if that makes sense. I, I feel like part of the part of where Andromeda went wrong was like, hey, here's Liam, he's your best pal. And it's like, no, he isn't. <laughs> like they're like and like here's Cora and like she's a little, you know, serious and, and uh uptight, but she's your best pal too. And it's like, no, she isn't. It would be kinda nice if there was more emphasis on you know, like in Mass Effect One, you can tell Garrus to get lost. You can tell Rex to get lost. You can actually flat out refuse uh to have these people and then you can play the entire trilogy uh similarly again um you can you can not get uh you can not pick up certain uh crewmates in mass effect 2 as well uh i remember for, for whatever reason i don't remember exactly why i did one playthrough my where my shepherd just hated tally which is mm-hmm. weird i don't even remember why she just hated tally and so in mass effect 2 it's like you know presumably if you don't go to pick up tally in mass effect 2 she's gonna die on that planet mm-hmm so my evil Tally hating shepherd was just like, ha ha ha, that's right. <laughs> Good luck, Tally. I'm not coming <laughs> to save you. Um, I, I would like to see a return to that, right? Give the player the ability to say no to companions and give the player the ability to, you know, like in Dragon Age 2, they can kind of reward you also for having rivalries. Mm-hmm. I would like to see that where it's not just as, hey, these are your best pals or these are your best friends, but actually you can have really serious disagreements with them. You can have really serious rivalries with them. You could not include them at all. Or also, you know, I really liked in um, in Inquisition that you had the option to tell certain people to get lost. Mm-hmm. I would I would like that to be standard, you know, for all of the uh, for all of the members in the next Mass Effect game. I feel like it would make the squad mates have more weight if A, you could avoid them, B, you could hate them. See, you could tell them to leave, but if, you know, depending on how you roleplay your character, you make best friends with one or two of them, and then that would feel more resonant. Now, I, I don't actually know if you can or not, but can in Andromeda, I remember all of the companions just being thrusted upon you. There is no option. They're coming with you. Can you actually say no to them? Can you come out? 
In Andromeda? Yeah. No. Huh. No. I don't think there's... I, if I... If I'm thinking of this correctly... Yeah. No, there's not a single one, right? Like, Jal, Drac, Vetra are all put right in the critical path, and they're not... Yeah, I don't think there's any option to say no. Now that's unique to Bioware because I think I don't think there's any other game that like you you can't kick out anyone on your team or not recruit them at all. Yeah, I mean, other than the starting ones, right? Um, like it's it's always been you can't really get rid of uh, like say Jacob or Miranda, but that's because you know mm. you've got to have somebody. E- everyone else should be optional. Um, and yeah, like to, to me, that really it shows, right? Like they they had that in mind for you. And so to me, it's like if they preordained that you were going to have this great relationship with all of them, that kind of takes away all the specialness of it. Yeah. On the rivalry thing, that's one thing that like they had a really good idea in two and they just never went back to that. And I, I wish they would because that, that's a uh, I, I don't know. I, I remember um in one of the interviews they did for when uh, Inquisition was coming out. Uh, they said that, like, oh, yeah, you can, you know, hate your lover or disagree with your lover or something like that. And, like, they that turned out really not to be true. <laughs> Where, like, you don't really have a rivalry system. Like, you do have negative approval, but then, like, you can't actually complete romances and whatnot. And, like, it, there is story content logged behind that. But that that's definitely something I would like to see return. In... In any game, I guess, but specifically uh, Mass Effect would be interesting. I would also like to see, for character creation, getting to play other races other than human. That's a big one. That is a big one. Because especially since, like, a lot of... (laughs) Definitely Andromeda, but uh, a lot of the aliens have, like, pretty similar facial structures. (laughs) Yeah, um, well, that's true. There's that. (laughs) But, like, I I think, like, Asari would be a really easy one to do. Um, Right. Uh, I don't know, like the Turi and the Krogans. Like you're probably, it, it would be a good idea to already like create a couple of different face structures. And if like, that's one of those things where like if you have the Mass Effect, I, I hate the Mass Effect Andromeda character creation. But if it was that character creator and then it had like four other different races, I get it. I'd understand. Like it's I, I I don't know. Like if it's just a couple of faces and you get to tweak it now and then. But then you also get to choose from like the Krogan, the Asari, the Kanari, Jesus, Corian. Like that that would be a lot more interesting. Like can you imagine playing a uh, you you get to choose which arc you were representing? If you were on the Asari arc or the human mm, arc, and whatever yeah. one you were on was the one that survived, and then you had to save the other ones. That probably would have added a lot more depth into Andromeda. Might have even helped it a lot. A lot of it so yeah no i mean i look i mean just from the standpoint of just seeing what went on 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 each of the individual arcs it could almost be not necessarily like an origin but you know each of those storylines would be different so it would increase the replay value significantly Um, oh yeah or furthermore i mean technically you could talk about a fourth option because there were those that were a part of the uprising on the actual nexus as well so that could be like the fourth option Maybe that's the option if you want to play uh, Krogan or something, because Krogan's yeah. really weren't on the other ones. Yeah, that's true. Um, now here we are. We're talking about how to fix Andromeda again. Yeah, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Redo that count. Well, maybe that's Mass Effect 5, though. They, tr- they try to say, uh, this save the story of Andromeda by uh, saying, oh, you were, you know, you choose your origin of uh, what Mass, like how you got to the Milky Way and whatnot. Maybe you could even play, uh, well, what's Jal's race? Angaran or whatever. 
I don't know. And then, and then like you're you're one of the guards that met met Ryder uh, on the uh, on the when they first landed. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, all all of that is like yes. This is, it's the only thing about why I'm reluctant to to dissect Andromeda is because like all of that sounds great, and we got none of it. <laughs> it's yeah. just like it's, it's painful to be like yeah. There's reason number twenty. You know, uh, item number twenty five that would have made Andromeda better. Um, so, I mean, the one thing to say about that too, from the gameplay standpoint, you talk about the, 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 uh, the facial structures and everything that would require some work, but they have figured out how to do combat and everything based on the different races, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the multiplayer, you can play as a Krogan or a Turian, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And they did figure out things like, you know, like the, um, you know, Krogans can't dodge roll because they're big. So you can't do that. And they have different move speeds and, uh, sometimes Turians and Krogans can't use the same cover because they're too big. Um, Solarians move a little bit fast. No, Drell, like Drell move faster in general. Like they had a whole bunch of differences that were specific uh, to the different species. So I kind of felt like they were trying to figure that out from a gameplay standpoint also, mm-hmm. which is encouraging. Um, the only thing I would say about it is from the thematic standpoint, and Casey Hudson and others have come out directly and said that the reason why they don't do that is because they always feel that Mass Effect is a human story, and it's about the player being able to relate to the humanity of the protagonist and and then relate to aliens as you know, they're aliens. They could be your friends. They could be your foes. Like, how do you deal with that? I mean, yeah. But I guess you could say the same thing about Dragon Age, though. Like, oh, it's an elf. It has pointy ears and they do magic. Or a dwarf <laughs> or a canary. And like, right. But, like, we all enjoy playing as the elf or whatever, whatever. It doesn't so, like, stop you from relating to them. Yeah, it, it doesn't. Like, if they want to help, like, if anything, it might be better to have us try to relate to the 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 drell the canary whatever and you see the humanity in other races like that's i uh, but then again when you when you construct a game like i'm obviously designing this as someone who really likes dragon age and i'm kind of designing like a dragon age game so the people that like mass effect probably like don't like dragon age as much so you shouldn't be designing a game for them you design a game towards the mass effect people maybe they just want to play the human i don't know well, we, I mean, we, look, we could talk about another aspect of the of like the technical aspects. You know, you have two voice options um, per gender in Dragon Age Inquisition, which I think is enough. But you've really, in my opinion, you've only really got one for Kunari, right? Like there's there's it's possible that the same voice could be male, dwarf and elf. And then there's kind of the one that seems like it fits more for Kunari, both male and female. If we talk about Mass Effect, I mean, you could break the lore a little bit, but Krogan all sound a particular type of way. Uh, and then Turians sound a particular type of way that's different from Krogan's. Asari and humans sound the same. Solarians, you could get away with it also. Those are the main ones. Drell, Drell all sound a certain way. And but I for the most it, part, that, that certain way is always, like, computer-modified. So how hard would it really be just to take the same performance and then just slap a filter on it? Uh, that's true. You, you might be able to get away with that. And then for the Asari, you just don't have the male option, you know? like <laughs> That's true. I still feel like a Krogan... It... I mean, you're right. They could totally do it. Like, you and had they... Josephine romancing a Krogan. Like, or not I mean... romancing, uh, voicing. There you go. You know, I, I just feel like, uh, what, what is it? Um, that, like, if your player character is a Krogan, 
I don't know. I don't know how to put this delicately. You're going to be the smartest Krogan who's ever lived, because right? <laughs> the sentence structure of most Krogan doesn't tend to be that elaborate. The way that you know Shepard or the Inquisitor talks, like you're going to be the most articulate Krogan ever, which mm-hmm. is fine. I mean, that you could just say you're the most articulate Krogan ever. Well, people want maybe, it. I, mean, I think people yeah. do want it. Uh, I will so, say on the on the Inquisition thing, you said there's only like one voice option for the Canari, and I know a lot of people would be like, ah, but like if there there, I don't know if it's a glitch or whatever, but if you play a Canari or a dwarf, uh, if you like the grunting noises will always be the American woman. For some reason, there's a glitch in the game where if you choose the English version, it doesn't switch over. And same thing for the elf and the human. Like if you choose the American voice, the grunting exertion noises will always be the the English woman. And same thing for the guys. So, fun fact. Interesting. Oh, so from from a uh, from a gameplay standpoint, you know, a mm-hmm. Mass Effect. One of the things that, and I kind of alluded to it with the ship. One of the things that I always wanted was actually piloting ships. And I know for some people that just veers. I don't know. Maybe it veers away from RPG in their mind. But I would love at least short missions um, where you were actually in the cockpit and. And flying, probably not like a cruiser, not something like the Tempest or the Normandy, but like a fighter um, ship where you could maybe even do side missions where you're doing cargo runs or, you know, maybe you're doing some combat missions, borrowing from absolutely, you know, elite dangerous star citizen, that sort of thing. Um, I kind of feel like that's going to be a noticeable omission from science games in the future. Like, I think we don't know yet because we're still way too far out, but I think Starfield by Bethesda is going to have a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of feel like that's going to be a necessary expansion of what Mass Effect is. Yeah, I wonder how that game's going to turn out. That could be, like, they don't even have a release date yet, but what if in some world that game gets released around the time of Mass Effect 5? Because who knows? But man, that would probably hurt Mass Effect. <laughs> even oh, if it was a really time. great game, people have been wanting a new Bethesda anything. So... And it's going to be new, right? Like, you, like mm-hmm. you talked about having the new IP. This is something brand new. It's not Mass Effect Five. It is Starfield, something we've never seen before. And then, as Andromeda kind of tanked, it would uh, it definitely hinder sales a bit. Like, oh, well, I'm not going to buy it day one because I did Andromeda. Like that. I was uh, looking back on our stream to look at something, and like that one person had uh, um, like pre-ordered. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda for their birthday and like when they got it they're like ah fuck <laughs> I wasted my birthday present <laughs> so um, yeah I, I mean even as a hardcore Mass Effect fan I felt it which was that when that happened with this is turning into an Andromeda episode again <laughs> I mean it has to be right it has like, to be no it has yeah. to be uh, but it, yeah, when, when that happened, you know, when, when, after I had gotten done with my playthrough and I was in my second one, I was like, okay, I think I kind of know what Andromeda is. And it did made me, it did make me even more excited for Starfield. Like maybe we do need something new. Maybe it is time for someone else to sort of take the reins, so to speak in the science fiction RPG space. So I do think, I do think that Starfield is going to have that going for it. And no matter what the next Mass Effect game is, it's going to have to be fighting against the stigma that, you know, they're forcing another Mass Effect game to be out just so that they can say there's another one. That, that's why I think it's so important that they're going to have to do things like, uh, you know, being able to pilot a ship, being able to have a true settlement building, like a true settlement building, I think would be excellent. Um, 
uh, uh, I've always thought, what, it, what would it be like if they started to incorporate melee in some, and I know that's difficult because it's science fiction and there's guns, but like, could they make melee more viable as a part of combat? Um, you know what? Some people might think this is crazy. I because because Andromeda went the other direction with more actiony, and you could no longer pause with the power wheel, etc. Mm-hmm. I still think pausing during Mass Effect combat is is essential. I think it's part of the combat. I would love to see a Mass Effect tactical camera. Um, I know some people will think that that doesn't make any sense, um, but I would actually love to see that similar to to the way the Dragon Age has had it. So, would you like to see a like um, uh, an XCOM mm-hmm. with the Mass Effect on it? Yep. That's okay. that's that's exactly what I'm thinking. I think I mentioned that before on other episodes. That's like my dream game. See, my dream game is that, but with Dragon Age. So at one point, one of these has to be made, and one of us is going to be really <laughs> happy, and the other one's going to be really sad. <laughs> uh, well, well, maybe uh, to bring in um, more melee options, you could do something like uh, melee options bypass shields. So that way, that, that way it would incentivize you to be like, well, if I do if, with a gun in long range, maybe I won't get hit, but then I have to go through the shield and you just bring in someone right there and they just take a sword or whatever and just bash them. Yeah, well, that's actually exactly what it is, right? So within the lore, that's 100% lore accurate is that the kinetic, oh. ba- the kinetic barriers are based on the velocity of the projectile. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, one of those tidbits that you learn in the first novel, uh, which I mentioned in the last episode, Mass Effect Revelation, uh-huh. Drew Carpitian goes into the nerdy details of how the kinetic shield, kinetic barriers work. I never really use, I guess, like, because I didn't know that. I just was, like, bringing out the pistol, the shotgun, and just going, oh, why won't you die? Not I mean, using I think, any of the melee options. I think, I think from the gameplay, I don't think it does affect it. I think that's strictly speaking in lore. I don't think it makes any gameplay difference. At least, I, yeah, I don't think it does. Oh, well, if it's already there, then they should, you know, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's actually a really good idea, right? There would be some incentive to use more melee because it does, you know, different damage resistance types. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, speaking of different damage resistance types, um, you know, I, I would like to see, like, the armor system advance quite a bit, like... It's it's somewhat there now in the sense that you have armor and you have shields and sometimes, I mean, it's sort of there, right? Like there are certain abilities that break people's shields down more and then there are different abilities that break people's armor down more. It just feels a little bit simplified. And and I don't know that with a player, that those are, that's, that's um, in regards to enemies. I would like to have an armor system where you could specifically have... How do I put this? I don't know. Just just more emphasis on damage resistance based on like the bulkiness of the armor versus like the power of your shields based on on some other different type of upgrade. Uh, the Mass Effect One armor system has that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it could be. I feel like some players don't quite understand it as well. Like that that same concept could be refined in a way where players valued it more. I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. I would like to see, like, I because I don't really know guns that well, so, like, some way for the stupid people like me uh, to, like, I, I don't get the difference between the guns that well. So, like, I, I know that sounds really silly, but, like, some way to make it easier to understand. Like, the, the sh- I guess the shotguns are the big hitters, and then the sniper ones are the faraway ones, and then pistols are, I don't know why they're different, but, like... I, 
something to make it easier for me to understand why I should care about what type of gun I'm holding. Because at that at that point, it just always feels like, oh, it's 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 a gun. It all does the same thing, you know. That's how I always kind of felt playing anything that has a gun ever. So I, I don't know how they would do it. And maybe that's, this is just my own personal problem and I'm not made for anything with a gun. But it's something that makes the weapons feel a bit more different to me. That way I'm just like, it's like, oh, another gun. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I think you mentioned this on an earlier episode where you're just like, I don't I don't get the difference between the guns. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I'm sure which, I have. I can't remember which one it was where we talked about that, but yeah, and then Andromeda complicated that even further, right? Because I'll I'll be real honest, I I did not want to use any of the um, remnant or ket weapons, um, cause, and, and that's the thing too, right? It's like technically speaking, they were you know there's more, they all worked a little bit differently, so there was some variation in gameplay, but I never really. Like I, I don't I don't think that their advantages were made clear enough. I was just like, why would I use this? It's unfamiliar, it's weird. The remnant stuff is all beam weapons and I like projectiles and mm-hmm. so what I'm saying is I didn't get any of the alien guns, <laughs> basically. Alright. I think I I can't remember what I did. I think I did the Angara one because I like the design of it better, but I I can't even remember that well. Like it wasn't even that long ago, but Yeah, I Oh, that's right. The one, the one that that's a good point. The one alien gun that I did use was the Angaran weapons. The uh, the Isha Ray was the one sniper rifle that was crazy powerful. Maybe like, that th- was it. I think they had the most powerful sniper rifle in the game. I did like that one. So yeah, more varied weapons somehow, which I don't know how you do. Do you remember? Um, I don't know what happened to it. I so when Overwatch was announced, not out yet, but announced. Um, I think it was there was some other company that also announced a game very similar to Overwatch. Is it Battleborn? Is that what I'm thinking of? Uh, I mean, I, I know Battleborn. I actually don't know anything about it. So it well the way I reference I was it Lawbreakers. Going... Maybe I don't know. It's it's some game, but it, what I'm trying to get at is that they, in their world or whatever, even though it had kind of a sci-fi theme to it, they they had archers and like m- more varied weapon types in this world, and that looked very interesting to me. So if they could do something like that, where you have like maybe something that kind of looks like a bow and arrow or something, but it makes sense within the world to have that way, you just have more varied weapon types and and like that that i know mass effect is very grounded in reality and that would look very kind of goofy and maybe out of character but it's it doesn't even have to be like a a bow and arrow or something but i I just i want more varied weapons (laughs) like and and more varied cultures like i i feel like a lot like the angara was like oh I don't know. It didn't feel that different from a lot of the other races. It's like, oh, you could you, this could have been in the Milky Way, and I would have been like, oh, all right. Like, I, it would have been much more interesting to have like a much more bizarre cultures. Like, I, I guess like everything kind of felt samey, and I want some more variance in it because it, it's very hard for me to tell the difference between like the different armor types and whatnot. You know, so. I guess art direction is what I'm asking for. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like the overall point you're making is a really good one. I've made it before. I feel like we've both made it before, um, mm-hmm. again, because we're harping on Andromeda. But, like, the opportunity to make truly alien-feeling, alien-looking species, it's like they shouldn't pass that up. I know it's difficult because of art assets and rigging the different skeletal models, etc. But mm-hmm. the idea that they're all sort of bipedal, you know, the idea that they're... 
uh, uh, what's the term, anthrograde or, or whatever it is, where like the legs all look the same between the Aquarians, the Turians, and the, the Angara somehow. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I understand that a big part of that is resource based, but from a science fiction standpoint, like give me three or four aliens that are just like one's just a freaking blob and one looks like a <laughs> like a spider bird. I don't know. Just like give me something that looks ridiculous and crazy. Um, in particular, when we're in a totally new galaxy, right? Like that was something mm-hmm. that I, I think would have uh, made a huge impact to emphasize just how alien and foreign uh, the Andromeda galaxy was. Um, Which, like, I, another complaint is that all the aliens, even even like some of the weirder ones, they're all like scaly for the most part. Give me some like furry ones or some with feathers, yeah, you know? Yeah, like that's just, true. There's, there's so many different types of, like, I'm going to say skin textures. And, like, they all they always go for, like, the scaly ones, you know. Are, like, some variety in that, even. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, that, that's one of the big ones. Because you're right. And it's not just how they look. But, like you said, it's different cultures. It's ones that maybe, maybe they just flat out don't communicate in the same way like maybe verbal communication is just not their thing maybe they just communicate through pheromones or and, and that's the thing it's like initially like the hanar communicate through bioluminescence right when you talk to a hanar it, this is talked about in the codex entries it's completely that that's why they all have that same sort of monotone sounding voice is like the um uh the the translator is turning it into a voice, but when they're talking to each other, like there is no voice. Like they communicate entirely through um, uh, bioluminescence. Mm. I didn't know that. <laughs> See, this is why I really wanted like a scene in Mass Effect where just like something terrible goes wrong and all your translators are out. So like you, you like turn to Garrus, like Garrus, what what do I do? And he just like at, what makes this weird noise of screeching in his actual language. And you're like, oh god, I can't communicate with my crew. What do I do? Because it been really interesting to see like there is a lot of this technology there that like they all speak the same language you can understand but when you strip that away like you suddenly have all these different maybe that's the plot i want for for mass effect 5 like something catastrophic catastrophic happens and suddenly you're like having to teach like your uh your crew members how to communicate with one another maybe that's like the opening scene where everything feels so alone where like you might like you you have all these people surrounding you but you have no idea what they're saying that's, I mean, look, that's one thing, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's funny, right? Now that I think about, like, the what Mass Effect 1 was, right? Like, the Hanar communicated through bioluminescence. They are essentially, you know, big stupid jellyfish, as, as Shepard <laughs> so eloquently <laughs> puts at one point. Uh, the Elcor are massive, and they communicate a lot through subtle... Um, they communicate through, what is it, pheromones and subtle intonation changes. That's why they sound monotone. The Volus breathe methane, I believe it is, because that's what's on their planet, and they're always in suits. You know, so other than other than the super cool races like the Turians and the Asari and the Krogan, like they had some of those oddball ones that aren't really combat oriented, you know, but they're around for different reasons. I just feel like we needed to get back to that with with a few more of those races. Mm-hmm. Or really, just more than two races in Andromeda. Like, that was always kind of strange. Like, oh, there's only Angara and there's only Ket. Yep. That's it. So. Um, which, if we, if we like, deep dive on the lore of that, maybe that's because that's how the Jardan planned it. 
um, there is there is that sort of notion or that well number one the cat aren't from there the cat come from some place outside of heal or outside of the Helios cluster at least and the theory being that within the Helios cluster uh, that the Jardan either cleared cleared out everybody who was there before or they chose that cluster to experiment with the Engar and because it was empty essentially. But, like, here's the thing with lore. If that was already established in another game, then I get it. But they established that lore specifically for this game. They could have just changed that fact and had oh, a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. aliens. <laughs> That's true. That's true. They made that lore post-facto and they realized they were running out of time and they couldn't make any more alien races. <laughs> yeah, so that's why it feels kind of fishy to me, where it's like, okay, we, we know you had an explanation for this, but right. we all know what the explanation really right, is. Right, right. right. The, the explanation for... <laughs> right, that's actually very true, right? Like, the Corian arc got lost. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's because they Which didn't they have... But they had to- at least one Corian model, because there's that, um, that one... It's multiplayer. Yeah. Uh, yes, oh, no. Is there one in a multiplayer? No, there isn't one in multiplayer. I don't think. I don't. Know. Well, they they have the uh, what, what's the, the hologram, like the yeah. hollow deck or whatever. Yeah. So like they, I think they maybe they only had one gender finished or like I don't even know what. Surely, like it it. I don't know. I don't. I don't even know what to say about the Koreans because they were my favorite, and now they're not here, and I'm just sad about it. But that's that's a whole other story. But I feel like we've been, like, the things we've been harping on is just, like, what we want Andromeda to do better it, again. It, it, it's, it, that always, so you're right. That does come back to that. But I was thinking of, yeah. of some other stuff that are just sort of, like, never been done before in Mass Effect. Say it. Um, Save this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, like, certain things that I just think they weren't common when Bioware was the king of RPGs at the time, but they are pretty common now. So that's day-night cycles. You know, enough of this mm-hmm. environment where it's always day or it's always night. Like, we need day-night cycles. We need proper weather cycles. And for for me personally, I would love an optional survival mode. Like, where you actually had, um, you know, statistics around, like, where you need to eat, you need to sleep, you know, you can contract diseases, stuff like that. Um, for some people, that's a complete turnoff. And at one point in Mass Effect 2, um, there's even some ambient dialogue where uh, a person is a character is making fun of games that are like that. <laughs> I think that was a shot at Fallout, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why I think it should be like a menu option. Like you can either play with it on or off. Hmm. Yeah, that that would be one I wouldn't turn on, but I think it'd be good to have that uh, that option for it. Really just like, I feel like the old if if you're going into Mass Effect wanting another trilogy, I think go play the trilogy. Like it if you're go, if you the the only reason to have another Mass Effect game is to like just be in the world again. So I think it, whatever new Mass Effect comes out is going to be extremely different from the trilogy from Andromeda. Mm-hmm. It's going to do something new. Like it, it's going to be a lot different from the trilogy, and it's. I, which I don't get why people are upset about that. Like, I whatever. That's a whole other thing. But I, yeah, you would want it to be different. Yeah. So like, I I think that's what they obviously really want to do with Andromeda with the the original pitch, which was um like uh like randomly generated in planets and stuff like that, and then that didn't work out. So I guess my my fear is, what if they try to do that again? Like they they obviously tried to do something completely different with Mass Effect. And then they couldn't get the tech working. How with with tech they already have, could they make a Mass Effect? Like, could they take like the Anthem engine, maybe even strip out the multiplayer stuff, 
Um, but then, like, uh, I know we don't know too much about Anthem at this point, but they have, like, um, a hub where, like, things kind of change or whatever, but then you have, like, an outside world where, like, things are constantly changing. That's where the day-night cycle is. That's where all the weather stuff is happening. Um, and then and then maybe, like, the hub is, like, your spaceship or whatever. Like, could, could you have just something simple like that where it's, like, it's, it's still the same engine, but it's kind of reskinned and put into Mass Effect land? Would that Would that be a good game? Yeah, potentially, right? I mean, Bioware's Bioware's metric, the thing that we judge Bioware games on is their stories. And so I, I'd imagine mm-hmm. as long as they came up with a good story, we would like it. But I, I do think that like on the topic of engines also, you know, they, they turned Frostbite into an RPG engine. Good for them. But I, I still wonder if maybe going back to Unreal, using Unreal Engine 4 might not be better because that engine is more flexible in general. Um yeah, I, I just I wonder if, if that if it might not be better for them to do something or maybe who knows, man, like maybe even go in and, and build from the ground up. I mean, I know EA likes everybody to use Frostbite, but it's like, hey, you know, maybe you want to commit to having them build a custom engine for RPGs. Now, I, I don't know much about Frostbite. Why is EA so on Frostbite's dick? What, what about Frostbite is just absolutely the best thing ever? Well, there is the argument that it might be the best looking engine. Uh, I mean, mm. CryEngine looks amazing as well. Um, I think Unreal Engine 4 looks good, but I don't think it looks as good as CryEngine and Frostbite. Uh, they got Frostbite was um, developed by DICE, and of course when EA bought DICE because of the Battlefield stuff, mm. um, you know, that DICE team um, has, has been instrumental in sort of continuing to expand what the engine can do. I think part of it is like a business... Um, uniformity standpoint like you want all of your developers to be on the same platform and you probably don't have to pay for the license of the other engines yes because you own dice and so therefore you own frostbite and so there's cost and then there's also i mean there 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 are advantages to it right like they said hey when we designed the nomad we brought in the need for speed guys because they make need for speed on frostbite now and uh Mm -hmm. and in the in the most recent fifa games there's a whole you know pretty good story mode in your in career mode and they have a dialogue wheel like a straight up dialogue wheel that looks like it's pulled right from a bioware game and it's like yeah well that's easy to do now because because Bioware figured out how to have a dialogue wheel in a Frostbite game. Hmm. So, there, you know, you do get to share resources. I guess there's that advantage for it. But I wonder if, like, you know, CD Projekt Red for The Witcher 3 makes their own engine and they're they're revamping that engine for, for Cyberpunk. I think, that's, I think that kind of might be the way to go for RPGs. Bethesda has their own engine, custom engine. Hmm. Um, and that's what Bioware used to do back in the, back in the KOTOR days. Hmm. So what we're saying is we want Bioware to make a new engine and then Mass Effect, so we'll be getting Mass Effect 5 in, like, 2030? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> so somewhere around, yeah, probably, like, five to ten years. I mean, look, if they oh, if wow. they did it in Frostbite or if they did it in Unreal, I, I would still be happy. You just want that new game? Uh, yeah, so, so, so the point of, like, you know, what you were saying earlier with... with um, Maybe it should just be a new game, or 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 if someone is is someone is wanting a trilogy, they should just play the original trilogy. I I do agree that people should play the original trilogy. I guess what I really want is I want a new science fiction role playing game, right? Because I love role playing games and I love science fiction. What I want is a new science fiction role-playing game like even if they come out like they came out with andromeda and i still play the original trilogy if they come out with another mass effect game like i will still play the original trilogy 
because mm-hmm. I still enjoy it, but I want a new science fiction role-playing game. And I think it doesn't necessarily have to be Mass Effect. Like, I'm super, super excited for Cyberpunk. I'm super, super excited for Starfield. And so, who knows? Maybe a new Mass Effect game will or won't be part of, you know, sort of scratching that itch. But I do think it's separate from just how I how I enjoy the original trilogy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. See, I feel the same way, but with fantasy. Like, I want, yeah. uh, I, I want, uh, what's it called? The new Elder Scrolls game to come out. I want just anything with fantasy. Because I feel like there's not a lot of fantasy games on the, on the horizon. So that that's what I'm itching for. But, um. Did you start that yeah. Witcher playthrough? Uh, well, I'm still, so I'm playing, uh, Witcher 3 with my husband currently. And we're currently in Velen, Velen. I don't, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, I don't want to go too much into it for maybe spoilers. We finished the Baron's quest. Oh, it's dark, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. dark. And you feel like you messed up somehow, like always, but all the endings are bad. There's no oh, good ending. Oh, that's good to know. Because like, uh, what well, was funny, my, well, now, welcome to the Witcher 3 podcast. Uh, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> uh, we, we first meet the Baron and Michael's like, oh, this guy's pretty good. I don't I like him. And then like, we're learning more and we're like, oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just gets darker and darker oh. and darker. I know, I know. So it, it's been kind of fun playing together because, like, uh, there's like that one quest with the the baby, I'll say. And uh, I turned to I turned to Michael. I'm like, Michael, if you ever beat me senseless and I miscarry, can you please name the baby so we don't have to go through this? And he's like, what the fuck? Why would you say that? <laughs> so. That's that's been kind of our playthrough of making jokey jokes about. That's how we deal with things, really serious things that are heavy. We joke about them inappropriately. So that's how this Witcher wow. three playthrough is going. That that must be fun to play together. <laughs> there's there's yeah. plenty more moments like that coming. Trust me. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, although that one, yeah, that's that's there's, you don't get. I can't even think of other video games that could get away with that. I mean, they literally had a storyline about a dead baby. Literally, yeah. And it's a monster now. Right, it's a dead baby monster. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things, like, uh, so I actually saw a little bit of that scene. A friend of mine was uh, streaming a little bit, and I popped in, and I just see, like, this floating baby thing. I'm like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) What am I looking at? And then uh, he was like, ah, you'll learn later. So now knowing the context, I'm like, I get it in context. Like, this, the image of that demon baby floating thing is so bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Um, okay, so this is this is not exactly a segueing back into Mass Effect, but I, that did make me think okay. about something when we were talking about how dark it is. Um, oh. No, but tonally, like tonally, Mass Effect needs to. They don't need to be as dark as The Witcher Three. They don't need. They don't need to have dead babies. Mm-hmm. That's not. That's not at home. That doesn't. That doesn't mesh with what Mass Effect is. But Mass Effect does need to lean into the parts of the of the lore and the story that are dark. Um, yeah. That, that was, and I'm not, I don't want to make it just about complaining about Andromeda, but like they got it wrong in Andromeda and they got it right in the original trilogy when it comes to xenophobia and artificial intelligence. Like artificial intelligence is supposed to be a problem. Like that's, that's one of the draws of science fiction is the idea that we don't know what to do with artificial intelligence and it could be dangerous. Andromeda tried everything they could to swat that aside anytime it could conceivably be brought up. 
like that one group that that wants to you know get Sam out of your head, etc. Like they were just treated as a caricature. They're just they're basically just intolerant. They're intolerant of artificial intelligence. And Sam's a person, and it's like your best friend Sam who lives in your head. It's like that's not as interesting as artificial intelligence actually being dangerous. We talked about this during the AI episode. Oh yeah, you know of how much better it would have been if Sam maybe did turn against you at some point and was in your head and making you do stuff. And it's like lean into that and and similarly with the different races it's like all the milky ray races are together and you know the most you can do is be a little undiplomatic towards the angara like really mm-hmm. like that's the worst of it is you could just sort of you can rush the diplomacy a little bit or you can you can opt to not listen to what the people are trying to tell you before you start trading in the marketplace like there's no danger there's no, you know, it, it doesn't feel like the stakes are high enough. It's like, well, that's a major trademark of science fiction. Can you trust the aliens and can you trust the artificial intelligence and what is your relationship with technology? And those should have dark, dangerous implications. And Andromeda, I feel like, just tried to get rid of all that. And it's like, well, then what's left? Like, we're all just best friends? Like, that's not, you know, stories need conflict. They need drama. I wonder, and I know this is kind of maybe approaching somewhere we don't want to go, but um, how much of that is a response to current political climates? Where, like, there's there's a lot of, um, a, a lot of people just don't want to talk about politics, just don't want to express their opinions, because they just don't want to deal with it. So they they perhaps want to create some place where, like, the, uh, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, the, 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 well, you just said things aren't that dangerous. Like, oh, if you, no matter what you choose, things won't go that badly. So there's no stress in the game, like that type of thing. Yeah. Everybody's your friend, right? Cause if somebody, yeah. if, if somebody could potentially be dangerous, then you give the player the opportunity to potentially incorrectly ascertain them as a threat when you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I mean, look, in Mass Effect 1, you have the opportunity, I mean, speaking directly to politics, it wasn't even an allusion to politics. It was directly uh, a storyline about a politician in Mass Effect 1 who is pro-human. And even so even Ashley says that his political party is is garbage and they're basically xenophobic and and he's not pro-human. He's a racist and you shouldn't support him. But the player does have the opportunity to give that politician an endorsement. Uh, mm-hmm. in Mass Effect 1 and and it's like yeah that probably should be in there that probably should be in there because that gives the player the autonomy to make that mistake or not the forced um and that's the thing it's like it's not homogenous right because everybody's a different species but it's like everybody's a different species but we're all you're forcing the player down the path of everyone being their friend and I just think that makes everything a lot less interesting to answer your question about is it due to the current political climate i would go a different direction i think it's due to the current fandom climate Mm, that's probably a better way to put it yeah is that is that well certain people the turians are their favorite or the salarians are their favorite or the krogan are their favorite and so we can't do anything that makes the krogan look bad because the krogan fans are going to get mad you know, your your Turian squad mate. Some people some people want the Turian squad mate to be your best buddy. Well, Turians can be assholes sometimes. And the humans can be assholes sometimes. But like, okay, the Turians have this super militaristic culture. You don't want to stereotype every Turian into that. But what if you had a Turian squad mate who was just super militaristic and that caused problems sometimes? Well, you're probably not going to have multiple squad mates for each 
alien race. So the people that, that really, really loved Garrus and really, really loved Vetra are going to go, hey, I was really looking forward to the Turian squad mate and I wanted them to be my best buddy and you made them kind of like really strict and militaristic. And so now I'm totally disappointed this game, you know, th- th- I can't enjoy this game anymore because the Turian squad mate isn't like Garrus. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's kind of more, it's it's more part of that as well. Like there's there's no more... I felt that the mistrust between aliens was one of the most interesting things about Mass Effect, particularly in Mass Effect 1. So then a, a common um, complaint against Bioware Montreal is that it was full of new developers and kind of, and like, you know, it's the Bioware C team or whatever. And a, a lot of people have come out against that saying it's not the C team. They had a lot of talented people on there. Could you make an argument that the C team isn't necessarily that they weren't talented, they weren't good at their jobs, but they aren't used to disappointing players in that regard. So they tried to say yes too many times and it just kind of exploded in that regard i agree i agree with that entirely like they tried to make the perfect game and i think another thing that this is somewhat counterintuitive and probably disappointing to think about i think it hurt them that a lot of them were fans Mm. like that that was said by if you'd like oh like these were people who maybe weren't even in the industry when they first played mass effect and then now they've sort of you know it was it was a goal of theirs to work on a mass effect game and that's great but a lot of it felt like the fan service was taken too far in my opinion I think it kind of hurt the game that they were fans trying to recreate the thing that they love instead of, you know, it's like they are creative people trying to make a piece of art, but how do those two things balance out? Mm -hmm. Were they more striking out on their own unique creative endeavor or were they more fans trying to homage the thing that they love? That that kind of reminds me, I don't know if you read it, but uh, David Gator recently released a technical fan fiction, whatever. It's a a short story he wrote about Dorian uh, and like him talking with his deceased father. If you haven't read it, go check it out. It's really great. I saw the tweet. I didn't get a chance to read it, though. You should. Anyway, um, but like it. It's been a while since obviously I read anything new from the Dragon Age universe. So, um... After reading it, I just kind of sat there. I was like, you know, there is a real noticeable difference between this and fan fiction. Like, I I mm. highly doubt that fan fiction would like m- most fan fiction is about like um, playing into very, what's there. Yeah, playing to what's there, and then like not a lot of fans really think about like what would Dorian say to his dead father. You know, like. Right. A, but like that's a really good story too. Like it, they're they're more focused on what they think Dorian should be than what he actually is. And perhaps Andromeda kind of felt that same way. Like they wanted a Mass Effect in this certain way, but they didn't really look at what Mass Effect actually was. That, so no, that that's that's very well said. Uh, that that's kind of similar to something that I've said about. Yeah. Um, some somewhere like fifty percent of uh, Return of the Jedi and Star Wars, like mm-hmm. Star Wars is Star Wars. The Empire Strikes Back is the Empire Strikes Back, and that it's not exactly like chronologically at at the halfway point of Return of the Jedi, but like fifty percent of that movie is trying to be Star Wars, mm-hmm. and then the prequels are trying to be Star Wars, and then we just you know here we are with Star Wars. Uh, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but it's not good to try and be the thing that you were. Like mm-hmm. you have to continually keep trying to do something new, and and and. Writers like David Gator, I think 100% get that, and I'm sure there are many, many, many talented writers who are much better than me uh, who worked on Andromeda, but if you're a fan of something, it's not easy. 
You know what I mean? Like you, you want to make that, you want to make your thing like the thing that inspired you. And instead you should, in my opinion, you should be trying to break it. Like you should be trying to push it to the envelopes, keep only the core pillars. And then otherwise you should be trying to color outside the lines as much as possible. So in that regard, then and Mass Effect Andromeda is extremely similar to Dragon Age Redemption, which is that fan film that not really fan film, it was it was legit thing that Felicia Day put on. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah, and I saw your video about it recently. Oh, there you go. But so yeah, it, it was like buy a fan for fans type of thing. So Yeah, yeah, and and then like yeah, like I said, I think that, that that's why they they didn't lean into the dark stuff, you know. They they wanted it, and oh, this is this is what I want to say. And I know we're getting close to time, but it's like the Citadel Three DLC. Mm-hmm. I love that DLC. Everybody loved that DLC. But I think looking back on it, it's it's caused a big problem, and I honestly feel it a little bit um, with some of the with some some Dragon Age stuff as well. Um, mm-hmm. In that. The Citadel Citadel DLC was like the perfect bonus episode of a TV show, like a season finale or like a show that's after the season finale. It was like this ultimate, really saccharine, like it was really sweet is the word that I would use to describe fanfare. It was like a celebration of all your squad mates. It was funny. It was super tongue in cheek. Mm -hmm. The actual plot was absurd and nobody cared. Uh, when I when I wrote an article about it, I, I described it as um, it's like a sitcom where something sweet and funny happens and the uh, the the canned um, like the live action audience goes, oh, but it's not stupid. <laughs> like it was literally like that. It was like that moment just wrapping all around you and giving you a hug. And like it was so enjoyable. It was so perfect. But it only works as DLC. Like I don't know, I don't know how else to describe it. it. That has to be contained in a little short story, or the the special episode at the end of the season, or the bonus features on the DVD. They, that's dessert. It's like frosting on cake. They tried to make Andromeda a hundred percent that, and it's like mm. no, no, no. Like that was the the reason why that was so special, and the reason why we all loved it is like after an entire trilogy of getting to know these characters. We had this goofy, silly, fun adventure that was like the cherry on top. It was like extra frosting on top of the cake. You tried to make a whole meal out of frosting. Like you didn't even try to make a whole meal out of cake. You tried to make a whole meal out of frosting. <laughs> you need to have that like bittersweet moments of like, you know, yeah. getting shot yeah. before you enjoy the, the saccharine stuff. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's like in a weird way, I feel like Bioware thinks that that's what they that's what the fans want all the time. Right. They want romances. They want, you know, Vetra on the mountain or uh, sitting on the roof with Sarah. And like, yeah, we do want those moments, but they should be rare because that's what makes them special. And there should also be a lot of dark moments. Mm. Um, I think Inquisition does it really, really well. I think Inquisition does a lot of things really well. Uh, Inquisition doesn't get enough credit, honestly. Um, Inquisition is what gives me hope in a lot of ways for Anthem and for the next Mass Effect game, because structurally it shows Bioware still knows what they're doing in a big bad way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's also why I like the the Solus romance so much is because it, yeah, it show it shows just enough. 
I, I, there's not like a lot of like, you know, sweet moments where like, oh, you know, they're cuddling and they're doing whatever. But like it, it, at the very, like the, the peak of the romance where he's about to break up with you, there's just one scene where you're just walking and holding hands. It's not broad attention. It's a very quick scene. But you know, just from that little small moment that there are like, they are very close. There's a relationship behind the scenes here and you get to fill it in with your head and it gets to be whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see it on screen. And a lot of like, and the other Dragon Age romances have that was well but like i i think it's a lot better when some of the interaction stuff is hinted at and alluded to but you don't actually have to see it you know because it, it, it did you see the the vetra romance peak i don't know what to call it climax i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah but like the burnt steak or whatever uh-huh that was weird. I, I didn't like that very much. No, like, it was I, like... I, I didn't like it either. And I'm surprised that so many people enjoy it. I've heard so many people describe that as being sweet and endearing. And I go, it's cringe as fuck, bro. It's just so weird. Yes. <laughs> it's cringe. Yeah, I didn't like it either. So, but, but I feel like if you had that scene in like the DLC, you know, like it would have been funny. Like, oh, haha, Like, you know, we've, we've almost died together and whatever. And oh, you're a bad cook. But, you know, fuck. We, we, we've gone through wars together and it's fine. Like that would have been great in the Citadel DLC. But yeah, in the main game, you're like, <laughs> I cringed so hard I threw through the ceiling. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I mean, I don't know if you if you're referencing this directly. Um, uh, Caden cooks for you in the. He does. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, if you're in a, if you're in a relationship with Caden, Caden comes over and makes food for you, and it plays perfectly. It it is exactly what it's intended to be, which is just sort of like sweet and endearing. And also, Caden is just like like uh, we mentioned, he's just kind of like a down to earth guy, so it kind of fits. But mm-hmm. um, it works in the DLC in the in the Citadel DLC. Um. So yeah, so I guess let's. I guess we should probably try and recap, right? Or is there anything else you want to throw onto the pile before we try and recap? If I can remember all the stuff we suggested. No, you you go ahead and recap. Um, so we can try and bring some element of coherency to this episode. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> we just like ramble, but we said that's what it was going to be. We were just going to be yeah. thinking out loud about stuff that we could be. So I think I said space flight. I wanted at least mm-hmm. limited amounts of space flight. Uh, I wanted a smaller, more enclosed section before the open world maybe not having companions right away which we both said for various reasons Mm -hmm. um melee and combat maybe a tactical view in combat would be nice not your your companions having the ability to skip companions kick companions out or just not be friends with them Mm -hmm. and i will we said leaning into the darker areas like the the conflicts around artificial intelligence and xenophobia Mm mm-hmm uh, oh, I said colony building. I didn't really talk about that too much, but I would like to see a true, legitimate colony building, colon- colony management system uh, in the next Mass Effect game. And a survival mode, potentially, which could be like totally optional. I'm starting to feel better about this. I feel like we recommended quite a bit of stuff. <laughs> Did we talk about different races or that was just kind of my Oh, thing? no, that's right. That's right. We that. said, because no, I've heard that many times in the Mass Effect community, people okay. who want to play all of the different species, Turians, Asari, etc. And we said I, maybe I, a new engine, which is like a long, that's, oh, that's, a, that's no. a huge thing for them to do, but who knows. I would say the most important thing out of that list is what we were ending on, of like, don't make everything frosting. Like, it, yeah. I want to earn that weird steak burning scene, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> what a great way to put it, but you're right. <laughs> I want to earn that burnt steak. 
Uh, but yeah, like I, 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 it's kind of like in Trespasser. Trespasser would be like that little first part of Trespasser is the uh, the Citadel DLC for Dragon Age, and I think it worked out great because like you had like those fun moments, and then you immediately get slammed with like some very serious story stuff. Yeah. So I, I, I really liked how Dragon Age did it in that regard. Awkwardness is awkwardness when it's with strangers or acquaintances, but awkwardness with your friends can be endearing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where to go from here. Yeah, on that note, I think we've covered just about everything that we're going to cover at this stage of... Comp- <laughs> like, we really we really jumped the gun, <laughs> which, is, which is totally my idea. <laughs> In my in my opinion, I'm like, look, it's we're so far out from Mass Effect, we can do like the alpha version of our predictions now, where it was just like, you know, I said a freaking well, like, survival system. <laughs> like we can be as out there as we want to with it now, and then once it actually gets announced, we can do another one that's more grounded. Uh, did, you ever, did you ever play Sonic? This is gonna be a weird one. Did you ever play Sonic Adventure Two Battle? No. Okay. No way. No, I didn't know. Oh. I didn't. Okay, so for those who haven't played it, like you, um, there is this little mini game uh, where you get to raise like cute little aliens. Chow, C H A O. I don't know how you pronounce it. I want the just throwing around random thing. I want to breed small animals. Let's let's do that. Let's throw that in uh, Mass Effect. Oh hell yes, a hundred percent yes. Farming in Mass Effect, yes. Fuck yeah. Let's just change this into something like terrible. Oh, like uh, I don't. What's the equivalent of Nugs in Mass Effect? Maybe we just bring Nugs. You get to breed Nugs in Mass Effect. That makes no goddamn sense. Oh, uh, the Space Monkeys. The Space Monkeys. 100%. Whatever they're called. 100%. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That would be terrible. <laughs> but, um, okay. Uh, 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 I, I think if my calculations are correct, which I can't believe I said that, this is episode 20, I think. Yeah. Because last I one was 19. This is 20. Yeah, so that's. that's true. Hey, we're we're in the twenties now. Look at us, we're popular. Um, <laughs> I think one, with that we those should... one guys that are making the anthem podcast are on like their hundred and fiftieth episode at this point. Yeah, so do they have like one every week? Okay, we're not talking. There's too much <laughs> I want to say. Uh, we have a streaming channel now, and there's probably content on there. Uh, it's called Codex Added. There's a link in the description. You should go check it out. That way, you can listen to us ramble on. Um, it's not both of us streaming all the time. There should be at least the first stream that we're doing uh, would have already aired a long time ago by the time this comes out. Um, and that's one with both of us playing Dragon Age Inquisition with this the worst mods. Well, I don't want to say worst because there's some actual mods. good mods. Perfectly normal mods. Um, it's mods that really, I think, make the game look completely different. That was my goal. Um, so uh, if you want to see Dragon Age Inquisition just looking completely at, out of the box, you can go check that out. Um, there's probably also me playing Dragon Age Origins. I think, you, were you going to also play Dragon Age Origins? I am undecided yet. I might, uh, well, maybe by the time this comes out, I will have been decided. But at this point in time, uh, I'm considering either Origins or Andromeda. Okay, so we'll have we'll have a dual stream, and then I'll have a solo, and he has a solo. This sounds weird. Anyway, uh, but we'll have different streams that you can go check out, and uh, it'll be fun to have you there. Or if nothing else, look at the recording. I should also say I've been getting a lot of followers on Twitch. I don't use Twitch, so don't follow that. That's just like me watching other channels. Uh, we're we're doing all this all on YouTube, um, and I think with that, Jordan, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at the Exalted March on YouTube, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at uh, Gilderthon on Twitter and YouTube, and then Gilanon on Reddit if you so desire. Uh, is there anything else you want to say before we close? No, I'm good. The rest are all. all right. <laughs> <laughs> 